Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, as we come together to, to do what the Lord has given us the privilege of doing which is this wonderful activity of taking this, these emblems of his sacrifice. Let's have a few, few thoughts in the word of God. Let's pray. Father, do open our hearts now that, Lord, to, we might be prepared to enter into, Lord, not just the mechanical activity of communion, but a heart that you would be pleased with in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Word of God, it's, it's not like any other literature because the Word of God has, it, it tells us in the Word two words that tell us why it's not like any other book. And in Deuteronomy 8.3, this famous verse, Deuteronomy 8.3, he explained to Israel through Moses, He, God, humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Those two words, every word, that's a statement about the word of God. That statement of every word in Deuteronomy 8.3 is so important that when the Lord Jesus Christ was attacked, by the devil in the desert after he had fasted for 40 days and tempted to turn stones into bread, this was the verse, these were the words that the Lord Jesus Christ used as a weapon to fight back against the devil. He quoted this in Luke 4.4. In Luke 4.4 when it says, And Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word of God. It's this concept of every word that is so important for us to have weapons against doubts and temptations. This Bible, the Bible that we hold in our hands here, is an every word Bible, an every word Bible. It's an every word book, which means that the words that are in the Bible were not ultimately sourced from the minds of the writers of the books in the Bible. The Bible explains this process of how we got the words in the Bible when it says in 2 Peter 1.21, 2 Peter 1.21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's very important words. 
when it says that the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, that means the Bible writers didn't just invent by themselves independently what they wanted to write and then wrote it down. But what they wrote is described as holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. When it says there, they were moved by the Holy Ghost, it uses a very interesting Greek word, Pharaoh, in the, in, in it, for moved, is translated moved. It's the same word that's used in Acts 27, 17. Acts 27, 17, which is a description of Paul when he was eventually shipwrecked. But before that, before the ship was wrecked, it says there, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven, Pharaoh. So there's this tremendous storm. They raised the sails, and the boat was driven by the, by the wind. So that's the picture of the Bible writers as like a sailboat being driven with so, so strong a wind that the boat just doesn't have any decision at all as to where to go. The wind is carrying it. Those men were so strongly driven that they wrote down every word that was prescribed. Each word was a prescription from God, and that's what they wrote down. And so these two words, every word, are so important in the Bible. In Proverbs 30, verse 5, Proverbs 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. To say that the Bible is an every word book is to say, Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. And when we trust that every word in the Bible is pure, then we have available the promise in that verse, Proverbs 30, verse 5, which is that he is a shield unto them that trust in him. To believe that the Bible is an every word book enables us, not automatically, but it enables us to do as the Lord did in the desert, to hold the Bible up and say, this is my shield, every word, against the attacks of the devil. To say that the Bible is an every word book is to say that every word in the Bible comes from God and every word is of great importance. It's of great importance to us. And so when we say the Bible is an every word book, it means that we should give ourselves to try to clearly understand the importance of every word in the Bible. Because the Bible is an every word book, there are two words in the Bible that I want to carefully consider, I want for us to carefully consider today, that are found in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, which is our text. Hebrews 1 verse 3, where we read, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Two words in that verse for us to consider. By himself. By himself. These two words, very important words, by himself or his own self or his own, are very important words when we see them in the Bible. And we want to look at these two words and ask the question, what did the Lord Jesus Christ do by himself? By himself. Hebrews 1.3, this verse, it's telling us that the Lord Jesus by himself purged our sins. The Lord Jesus Christ by himself purged our sins. This statement in Hebrews 1.3, that the Lord Jesus Christ by himself purged our sin, 
It's a climax. It's a climax statement of everything that's been said in the first two verses here before this. It's this climax. It's leading up. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 is leading up to this climax statement in Hebrews 1, 3 that the Lord Jesus by himself purged our sins. We're told truths about the Lord Jesus Christ so that we'll understand who he was who by himself purged our sins. We come to this climax. We build up by himself, purged our sins, and we're told to, first of all, before you go there, consider that the Lord Jesus Christ is God's ultimate statement to man. What it says in Hebrews 1, in the verse first there, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed all things, by whom also he made the world, who, etc. In moving up to this climax of the Lord Jesus by himself purging our sins, we're told in these first two verses, our Redeemer came to earth, and that means that God before that, before that, he spoke at different times in different ways. But after our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come to earth, God speaks only through him, only through the Lord Jesus Christ. When God wants to speak to man, God speaks through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is not just one option for man to come to God. It's not, he's not just one option for man to come to God the Father. He is man's only option to come to God the Father. As he said in John fourteen six, when he said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So this verse in John 14, 6 about the Lord Jesus Christ is actually an elaboration of what it means to say that God now speaks to us by his Son. God speaks to us by his Son and tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is man's only way to God, is that the Lord Jesus Christ is man's only real truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is man's only real life. And this is the correct view of the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. And we're told to consider this as we're moving up to by himself purged our sins. So verse 3 further refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And and as it does, it's honing in our view of him as we're coming up to who by himself purged our sins. When it says that he is the brightness of, of his glory. He's the brightness of God's glory. That's a special word. That word brightness that's used there in the Greek, that's so special that it doesn't appear anywhere else in the Bible, only here. It's as if the Lord Jesus is so special that a special word is used only once here to describe the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's telling us that the Lord Jesus is like the sun with its bright, dazzling light. It's the same word to describe the, the bright light that, that was on Paul as he was on the road to Damascus in Acts 22.11, in Acts 22.11, when it says, and when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came to Damascus. This word brightness is telling us that our souls were in a state of complete and absolute darkness until the Lord Jesus Christ brought light to our souls. He brought light to our souls. And the image that Paul uses to describe that to us goes all the way back to Genesis 1 in the creation of light. But Paul says of this 
darkness in our souls and light coming through the Lord Jesus Christ, the brightness of his glory, in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, where it says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is the one who by himself purged our sins. He is the light that dispelled the darkness in our souls. And you can tell, you can tell who is really a Christian. You can tell who a Christian really is by how he speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ has has become elevated and he speaks of his elevated honor. For the Christian, when the Christian speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, he lights up. He really lights up because he's speaking about the one who is the only light of his soul, the brightness of God's glory. The Christian sees it was the light of his soul, the Lord Jesus, who by himself purged our sins. When it says in Hebrews 1.3 that the Lord Jesus is the express image of his person, it means that Jesus is God. It just means that Jesus is God. The Christian worships the Lord Jesus Christ as God. And the Christian really sees him as God. He really sees it was God who by himself purged our sins. And when it says in Hebrews 1.3 that the Lord Jesus is upholding all things by the word of his power, it means the Christian worships and adores the Lord Jesus as the creator and the sustainer of all things, of everything. And the Christian finds his all in all, everything satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian really sees the Lord Jesus Christ as the creator and the, and the sustainer of everything. The Christian really sees that the one who, who by himself perched our sins was the creator, the upholder of all things. Those are the personal descriptions of the Lord Jesus that lead up to this climax statement of who by himself perched our sins. And then coming down from the climax verse in verse 3 is that he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, which means that the work that the Lord Jesus did on the cross, it was successful. It was accepted. And therefore, he sat down in the place of the victor. And the Christian really believes that. The Christian really believes that the Lord Jesus has successfully by himself purged our sins. And the Christian worships the Lord Jesus Christ for his success of by himself purging our sins. Now, in Hebrews 1.3, when it says, when he had by himself purged our sins, what's included in that? What does that mean, he purged our sins? What is encompassed in that purging of our sins? There are three descriptions in the Bible that are used to describe what is meant when he purged our sins. Because of time, we're only going to look at the first one. We're just going to look at the first one. You want to know the other two? You can tune into YouTube to the Creation with God Fellowship, and you can see it tonight. In John 1.29, the first description is, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the first description. Taketh away. Taketh away is the first description of what he did when he by himself purged our sins. When he by himself purged our sins, he took away our sins. That's also a very interesting Greek word. 
In John 1, 29, this translated, taketh away, the word arrow, arrow, it means to lift or to carry away, to lift or to carry away. What a picture that gives us of the Lord Jesus Christ, putting our sins on his back when it says he had by himself purged our sins. The picture is is of him carrying our sins away. That's the picture that's presented for us by the words born or carried in Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4 puts it this way. Surely he hath borne our griefs. We've been singing this morning, man of sorrows, what a name. Hallelujah, what a savior. Surely he hath borne our griefs, Isaiah 53, 4, and carried our sorrows. That's the words. Taketh away, borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. This truth that he bore or carried our sins alone is emphasized in 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 says, who his own self, there we get these words, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. See, this repeating in this verse here in Peter, his own, his own, twice, there's an emphasis on how personal this was to him alone. It was his own self that bare our sins. It was his own body. And the words, when we read these words like this in Hebrews 1, 3, that say, by himself, he purged our sins. These words, by himself, his own, in 1 Peter 2, 24, they go right along together, and they're giving a concerted emphasis on how this was to him. When each one of us sinned against God, it was so personal. It is so personal to us. We feel personally ashamed for what we did. We feel personally guilty for what we did. We feel personally dirty for what we did. After all, all those sins are so personal to us. Sometimes we like try to hide them, like the Bible says. He that covereth his sins. They're secret sins. They're personal. They're private to us. When it says in Hebrews 1.3 that he by himself purged our sins, and then in 1 Peter 1.24, his own self bear and his own body, it's so personal to him. Oh, the personalness of it all. Our sins were so personal to us, and the purging of our sins was so personal to the Lord Jesus Christ. The purging of our sins by himself is not all that is described as personal to the Lord Jesus. Words his own are also used in Revelation 1.5. Revelation 1.5 speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of this earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, in his own blood. Not only did he himself by himself purge our sins, but he washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know, that verse could have easily, that could have been written like this. He washed us from our sins. But it's not written like that. The verse is written, he washed us from our sins in his own blood. In his own blood. Those are important words. Those are important words, in his own blood. Because they emphasize how personal our cleansing was for him and is for him. If we've walked in the light, as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Our cleansing from our sins is so personal to him that he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Our cleansing was so personal with him. 
You know, it's very personal when one person washes another person. You know, my wife, she used to never want me to wash her feet because she said her feet were stinky. <laughs> okay. And she said, that's too private. That's too personal. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Exactly what he did in John 13, 4. In John 13, 4, when it says, he rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded himself and that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, stinky feet, and to wipe them with the towel. It doesn't say stinky feet. I added that. And to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. It was very personal to the Lord Jesus Christ to wash the disciples' feet with his own hands, just as it was so personal for the Lord Jesus Christ to wash us from our sins in his own blood. But the words his own are also used in Acts 20, 28, Acts 20, 28, where it says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God with he, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He hath purchased with his own blood. Not only did he himself purge our sins, not only did he wash us from our sins in his own blood, but he purchased us with his own blood. Again, this verse could have been written, the church of God, which he hath purchased, but it doesn't say that. And words are important. Every word's important. Instead, it says, the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Again, it shows us how personal our redemption was to him. He purchased us with his own blood. All right. Now, we've looked now at these words by himself. We've seen how just per- how personally the Lord Jesus Christ was involved with the purging of our sins and the cleansing of our souls and the redemption of our souls. And and what and, and as we look at this and we see how close this is and how personal is, the natural response for us is to become overwhelmed, overwhelmed with love to him. And we look for a way to express our love. We, have to look, we say, there's got to be a place, there's got to be a time when we can express our love and appreciation to him for his own, by himself, purged our sins. Unto him that loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood. The church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. There's got to be a way, there's got to be a time, there's got to be a place for us to express our love. This is the place. This is the time to express our love to him in this breaking of bread. This is the time when we can express our love to him as we take the bread and we take the juice and we say, I love you for being so personally involved as to give your body to be broken for me and to pour out your blood for the remission of my sins. Father, thank you so much for how personal it was to your son that he Lord, emphasizes how personal it was with these statements. And Lord, we pray that as we take these elements now that we would be engaged in the personal involvement of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. You're invited to a Perm celebration Sunday, February 25th at 4.30 p.m. at the Friendship with God Fellowship Church. Purim is a day of celebration for the Jewish people commemorating Esther's victory over Haman's plot to exterminate the Jewish people. Join Tom Canner and the Friendship of God Fellowship Church as we learn about the Purim Feast while experiencing some amazing Jewish desserts. Located at the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee, California. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scantibodies Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com.